Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Benchtown TV. I am Paul, and with me today are Kyle, Luke, and Dave. We're here talking The Witcher, Season 2, Episode 8, titled Family. It's the finale, the big one. Season complete. Geralt, Seer, and Yen all together. What are your guys' initial reactions of how Season 2 wrapped up? All right, I'll go first. Let me jump in before Dave. Yeah, the rookie and, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want my, my version thoughts. So uh, the ending, obviously, the reveal at the end was pretty insane. I've read that that, was, that happens a little bit later in the series, but that was obviously quite crazy. I was a little suspicious of her father during the Volef, Volef Mir, I guess, vision dream thing that she was in, but nothing on this level. So that was pretty crazy. I love the ending shot of Siri, Geralt, and Yen of like, they're kind of like, we're back now in this. I guess we were never initially in this little threesome, but it's kind of solidified that this is our squad, which I really like. Um, I don't love a lot of what they did, I guess, with the other witchers. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously someone who has never read the books. They just feel like we were building up towards a lot in the beginning. And then they kind of got forgotten about a little bit as the season went on. And then they kind of just got thrown to the wolves a bit in this episode. But I think overall it was good. But when I take a step back and like really think about what happened this season, it feels like it was another like prologue season almost similar to season one, how like a lot of things were happening and it was like establishing a foundation. I don't even know where I got this napkin from, but establishing a foundation for like to set the series up. But it feels like we kind of did that, but part two. So now it feels like we're again out of the prologue. So maybe like, the first season was the preface. Now this is the prologue. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of how it feels. When you say it like that, I mean, the craziness of season one going all over the place, it was almost setting the foundation for the setup. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. With certain storylines, some of them, ob- like obviously the reveal of series dad is like, that's not prologue shit. That's like mm-hmm. developed story shit. But I just feel like overall with a lot of the events. I think those were uh, really good points. And especially as someone who's read the books, I, I think it's still a very well done show. Um, once you get your mindset wrapped around the idea that this is just going to be totally different than the books, I think it opens your mind up to making this a, a, a great show. And yeah, I think my one trifle as well as yours, Kyle, was that uh, the witchers, the the friendly witchers at... Um, Kyra Morin were just kind of throwaway characters almost this season. It felt like, except for maybe Vesemir, but everyone else else really didn't have much of a purpose. And I'm hoping that they can still kind of redeem them in later seasons. We'll see. Um, but overall, I thought the finale was incredible. Um, the reveal was amazing. Um, we didn't get that until like one of the later end books. So getting it here in season two, I thought was really a good place for it to go. Um, and just excited for season three. This was a much better season than season one to me. I thought this was more fleshed out. It just felt more like an actual TV show than what they were doing in the first season. So I'm ready to talk about it. So I think I agree with a lot of what you guys are saying. And Kyle, I think you nailed it, like especially about the Witchers. One of my biggest complaints early on in this season was that the thing I hated the most was just the fire magic, how they're treating all that. And then the um, Witchers, all the non-Geralt Witchers. And I said, except for Geralt and Vesemir. And I think Vesemir had a really bad episode. Like, I think he was 
he fell into everybody else now. Like he was emotional and he was being like childish when Geralt is, seems like the only adult witcher in the room. But outside of that, and I brought this up when we were talking about episode seven, I usually hate the possession storylines. I thought they even wrapped that up pretty nicely with Siri and the, the reveal of the monolith in the tree just fucking blew my mind. That was just, that came out of nowhere. I loved it because it really made sense to start utilizing Siri's power and bring it all back to like the Istrid scenes in the earlier, se- in the earlier part of the season. So they really nailed all that. And then just the end stuff, especially the last 10 minutes just felt game of thrones esque and how they're jumping from all these important storylines and giving you a good season two ending point and also a really intriguing starting point going forward where all the political pieces seem to have a lot more depth now that we're 16 episodes in and you know dick dickstra dickstra never will remember how to say his name seems like he's going to be a huge fun player to talk about like what he's got going on going into next season and we got the awesome reveal that i've been waiting for with um, Philippa being the owl that's been bouncing back and forth. We'll talk more about that too. But overall, I said it, I loved this season. I think it was better than season one. I think it's like approaching the level of better than the books. If it's not already for myself personally, it's just such a great take on the Witcher and like having Siri develop her powers earlier than they did in the books makes for what way better content. And we could possibly be like, jumping from universe to universe at some points just seems like it's leaning into the multiverse that's going on with like marvel like this seems to be like the popular theme right now and it i i'll take it all so so far so good this this uh, this season was fantastic yeah i i really liked it on the third watch through Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um i i was a little shocked after the first watch because i just didn't understand what i was seeing I, i mean i've said it every recording that we've done you know just separating the stories i've actually enjoyed it a lot more going in on the second rewatch Um, i think it's some things are doing it's really cool other things are doing i just hate i don't really want to list all my gripes i might do that at the end if we don't if i don't cover it i started (laughs) to do it and then it was like kind of an essay and i was like eh it's a little negative let's just let's just go with the flow and see where it takes us so um the way we're going to cover this episode is like we've been doing. We're kind of going to go in character buckets and kind of location. Uh, we're going to start off real quick with the Sintra storyline with Francesca, Philavandrel, Dara, and Kahir, and Frangilla. We're going to cover that real quick. Then we're going to cover Siri in her dream world. Then we're going to cover all of Karamorn, basically the meat of the episode. And then we'll go through those big boy conversations at the end, uh, scene by scene. Sounds like a plan. So starting off with the Sintra storyline, uh, we get Phil Evangel and Francesca distraught over the death of their baby. And we actually get Dara telling them that he was sent by Dijkstra from Redania, obviously, to spy on them. He was told he was spying on Nilfgaard but ends up using the elves information. So Dara basically points them in the direction of Redania. How open Francesca was to Dara's quote unquote betrayal. It just shows you that she, like if that was a human, obviously she would have just killed him right on the spot. Or, you know, if, even if it was a human, she would have trust. I think that would have just broken a lot of bonds between her and her like human relationships. But because it's an elf, we see her kind of just, 
he, she's like, it's okay. Everything you did, like you just did it to, sur- to survive. So I don't blame you. So I thought that was a, a cool perspective to add on to Francesca's already like diehard feelings for her elf people. I thought he was fucked. I thought she was, especially with how brutal she is later in the episode. I thought it was, it would have been a double win for me because one, it would have been cool. Cause I love Francesca and think she's a badass. And two, clean up Dara and get him out of my freaking story. And then everything would have been good, but whatever. Isn't he like, uh, this is going to sound wild. This is a crazy adjective. It's the only one I can think of, but isn't he like a fertile elf? Like, isn't, is he not young enough to have a child? Yeah, he probably Obviously is. He wouldn't bear the child, but to give it, he probably is. He, he looks like it. And I think this show does a really poor job of explaining that because I mean, we, I've had to explain it multiple times to, to a few of you and Jimmy included. So I think the job does a really poor job of explaining why elves are so like kind of distraught in the first place. We know they're on the run. We know their land's been taken, but like they're saying rebuild. So yeah, they've literally leaned into like the whole like racism kind of the other thing where like they're oppressed because of that. And, but yeah, I would agree that they haven't really, I don't even know if it's ever come up as like a real thing that they can't have kids potentially when Yen and, and Fringilla are with them early, but I I don't remember. I feel like all the knowledge I have on that is from you. Uh yeah. Again, I just wish they kind of explained that more. Dara, I would have kicked the hell out. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, you were a spy that got my daughter killed. Like she says, this isn't your doing. You were just like doing what you needed to do to survive. But she takes that energy, says, fuck that. We're going to go into Redania, even though there's a bunch of babies that didn't have anything to do with my baby's death. We're just going to murder them all. So like you see her, you see her putting signs on all the doors, all the houses. We don't know exactly what it was. If it was like your your firstborn is killed or only all the babies in Redania are killed. We don't really know what it was, but we do hear a bunch of crying babies. And we see Francesca, you know, say the line, uh, what has been need not always be. She just lowers her hands. All the babies stop crying. And then all the mothers start yelling. That was really good. I thought that was really well done. That was like insane. And I can't even imagine what the repercussions are. Like, do you think King Visimir is going to one? No, I guess because Jixra is going to find out somehow that Dar is no longer. Mm-hmm. He already he already has that by- information by the end of the episode. But do you think that's going to affect Redania in a meaningful way? Or is it just going to, is that just meant to build up Francesca and her vindictiveness? And that's going to kind of just set the playing field of what she's going to be going forward. Because I don't know how important Redania really is outside of just having Visimir and Jixtra being representatives of that country. While I like this scene in it, like isolated by itself. Like I thought it was cool. Like you guys were saying, I don't like it at all for the story because exactly what you're saying. Yeah. I could see all this happening and King Vizimir is like, ha, who cares? Like, I don't give a shit about my people. Like it wasn't me. I'm not the one personally affected. Like it's all it is in my eyes is creating a bigger rift between the elves and the humans. Any of the humans that might have any, like, I don't want to say respect, but you know, treat elves equal to humans. That's probably out the window because the queen of the elves literally just went around murdering babies. And I get that she's insane. She, like she, her brother, I believe it's her brother. Like one of the higher generals, I guess you can call him, comes up and says, are you sure this is like the right thing to do? I know what you've been through. 
He was uh, a random, right? We didn't know him. Uh, his brother, he, I think he was. He was in the episodes. Right? Yeah, in episode uh, one and two, I believe. Okay. Um, they kind of talk to each other, Francesca, and I think his name is Bruges. They have a short conversation before they actually go in to see the deathless mother. So he's kind of been around, but again, I think he's I think he's made up. And I think there um, you go. I think that'll be the voice of reason for Francesca. Like I think if anyone's if they do go the route of trying to patch up human and elven relationship, then he would be the person, it seems like, because he's he he's saying what you were saying, Paul. Just these babies had nothing to do with it. Like this isn't gonna help you at all. Like this is just pointless. And so I think he'll be a good voice of reason going forward. But angry Francesca is fun, Francesca. Yeah, that was a really awesome scene. She was really cool. Yeah. I right? just I think it was the dumbest decision in the world to do that. I think it's taints her character almost and going forward and it's just going to like cause more problems. Definitely was insane just to see how powerful she was though. Yeah. You, when you say that it's dumb, do you mean like it's a dumb writing choice or it's just like it, Francesca as a character in the show, it's stupid for her to do that? Both. Because okay. when I say the first one writing choice, I mean like I kind of had a Francesca in my head and now I don't think it's going to get there. I think it's going to be a yeah. different person. And I mean, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, in the show, well, I, the Honestly, literal I mean, in the show, only, it's like a very believable decision. But all she says is retribution is like, she says like, why are we doing this? I think Dara comes up and again, it's like, why is Dara a spy? Now one of your higher ups automatically felt weird, but it also felt strange because they were trying to say like, are you sure this is going to happen? And Phil Evandro was like, no further steps are going to be taken without retribution. So I guess, I guess the way they see it, you know, one elf baby, like the first one in Lord knows how long is equal to like a hundred human babies, a thousand human babies. Dude, they're going to kill so many more. In season <laughs> three, I would say they're going to kill so many more. They don't care at this point. They had the only, they had no hope forever. Got a glimmer of hope, got it ripped away from them. They don't care about anything anymore is the vibe that I'm getting. And it's also the other thing that rubbed me the wrong way about it is all they're going off of right now is Dara. Is Dara ratting and, and snitching on Dijkstra. It, that's the only reason they're kind of going towards Redania right now, which is, I was like, before you make any rash moves, maybe maybe get some confirmation. Mm -hmm. But I digress. A bunch of babies dead. Elves are on the prowl now. They're not in center. They're not with Nilfgaard, it seems, at all. Because speaking of, we get to Fringilla and Kahir. They're in the throne room prepping for Emperor Amir to come. And Fringilla breaks the news, saying some elves left, including Francesca and Philavangel. So... Our scouts said they were riding north towards Redania on stolen horses, um, basically be all because of the child. And even Frangilla says all fingers point towards Redania. So, you know, I can't I can't blame Francesca too much for just assuming it, I guess. Um, Kahir takes this weirdly well. And I didn't know what was kind of his deal in the beginning. And he's like, hey, don't worry. You wanted Francesca here to show Amir that you were a valuable leader and asset, right? Well, you can still do that. Just when he arrives, say, hey, I was the one that killed the elven baby because now they're taking out our enemies for us and they don't even suspect us. I thought that was well done. I mean, I thought Kihir, I mean, just coming off of almost being killed and like 
how much of a bitch uh, Frangilla was to him. Like, this is just like a rub in your face. Like, okay, like, I think he's just playing this the part of uh, this is like what you wanted, basically. Like, haha, like, even if you didn't want the baby dead, like the baby's dead now and you can take you, you can just accept it and move up in the ranks like you wanted. So I like the, the angle that he's coming from here. I think it's more of like a rub in your face kind of thing. So did you guys initially think like right away that she didn't do it? I yeah, thought I didn't believe it. Did you think Kahir had anything to do it, or you just totally thought it was going to be a third party? I, I mean, I fell into the hole. It was Redania. Okay. I mean, Cause I, I didn't like- know either. I, I, my note is literally, I can't tell if she did it or not, but I, I was leaning not because of how her facial acting was going on. And she seemed <clears> a little <throat> bit surprised, but then her words were like kind of just accepting of it, which was fine. It worked out. And I thought that part was all written well with the end reveal being, it was neither of them. That was, yeah. Like, yeah. I thought it was Kahir. Like during this conversation, I thought it was Kahir that did it. And I was like, oh, I'll give you credit. Don't worry. Yeah. I was waiting for Jigstra. Yeah. I thought Kahir, I guess, jumping off of Dave's point, it just seemed more like a, like he was thinking very tactically, like a military commander in the sense of like, this is the situation now. So we need to, to build off of what it is now instead of, you know, being upset about how it happened and what happened. Like this is just the obvious next step. This, this I, kind they of, just continues kind of their roller coaster from Jilla's character of where she's like, you know, I wouldn't do that because Francesca was my friend. But then we see her like fuck around and do insane shit on the other side of the coin. So it's like, OK, she just like hasn't figured herself out either. Yeah. She's trying to like get all this power and like have all this influence to like control world events. But she can't even control like what's inside of her own heart and her head. Preach. Preach it, Kyle. <laughs> I really liked this scene for Amir. I'm not, I'm sorry, not Amir, Kahir. Uh, I think he was really smart in his quick thinking. Um, and it, he just really, it was, it was a leader move to do that. Just, you know, hey, we have a problem. Now it's going to, I'm going to make it look like we are great. But that was it for all the setup besides the meat of the story. We are going to cover. Siri in the dream world real quick before we get to actual care morn so, pretty much uh <laughs> it, it's a lot of screen time for not a lot of actual information it would, it would mean more if they were memories but they're not it's just a a, fa- a false scenario so none of what happens or any of the information we get like can be is real yeah. this is actually the opening scene Siri wakes up in her childhood bed. She's in a dress. Mousesack comes in. She doesn't really know what's going on. Um, it seems she seems like she thinks she's dreaming, but even Mousesack is like kind of tricking her a little bit. Like you're fine, ballroom. Let's go right now. Your mother's gonna be pissed. That was the so, only thing I would shout out is the fact how well the dreamscape made her feel like it was real, and how like their reactions, like even when she wasn't looking. You know, they were still confused at why she was acting this way. Like they felt real. So I'll just give a shout out to that. But on the opposite side of the coin, I also appreciate the line, at least initially from Siri waking up and having enough exposure around Geralt and all these weird things and being with Triss in the dream sequence thing earlier this season. She kind of knows it's not real. And she's going back and forth between knowing it's not real. Now she's like, the fuck is going on? And then it, I think it hits the title sequence. So I, I get that. I like it's not tropey where she's just going to be falling into this vision and hypnotized and be like, oh my God, Malsack. So I, I like yeah. it. Yeah. Even when uh, she says, what the fuck's going on? Malsack claps back with like, oh, watch your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like m- even 
tricking her more and more yeah. up until like he says, Hey, your mother's going to be pissed. And she says, Oh my God, my mother's alive. That's like the, the crazy part. So she goes into the ballroom, ballroom's popping. Uh, Calanthe is there. Um, she sits down next to her. She's like finishing her sentences because she's so happy to be home. Usually she's, she was just like, kind of annoying brat who didn't want to do any of her responsibilities, but here she's gladly dancing with these, uh, Martin. Yeah. Martin, the chump, I guess they're sons of these other houses. Yeah. So it's like saying, Oh my God, I'm so happy that I don't even care if this is a dream. Her, uh, Calanthe and Malsack are just like questioning her odd behavior. So I, first of all, I love that the actors were willing to come in for just one episode. I thought they were going to because earlier in the Triss vision quest sequence with Siri, they have Calanthe speak, but they don't show her face. And I thought that was going to be just because, you know, we don't we can't get the actor to come do this. But then she's in this episode, which was such a good surprise for me, because I think that actor is like a scene stealer. I think she's awesome and like powerful when she's on screen. And then Malsack was just nice to see. But I'm just just awesome that the people like the witcher enough to come back for like one scene for the whole series uh second season yeah i was definitely on that boat yeah i thought when they showed her i think it was like episode five with the tris exactly mm-hmm. what you said um and then it shocks me she just pops up here they get done dancing mousak is saying something like hey if you if you did fuck him you'd, you'd get a great bloodline going she was like <laughs> I, I was agree i was like mouse that's a really fucking weird thing to say um she asked more about her bloodline mouse kind of avoiding it and then he finally distracts her with well look over there there's your parents that's pretty much <laughs> what it was and in comes dooney and pavetta and they have a sh- short little conversation like we've been here the whole time always loving you you're a special girl and this is when shit kind of hits the fan i mean she already turns around and sees mouse X kind of a doppelganger from season one she's hearing like you know a Geralt voice kind of yelling so we're going to come back to this right after we cover the rest of the caramorn storyline did you guys have any thoughts on series dreams absolutely no comment from me yeah i think we pretty good no, yeah right honestly like you said i just really like mouse X actor Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you like his hair bun your his man I bun literally took the words straight out of my mouth that's exactly what the next thing i was gonna say was <laughs> reminds me of Logan a little bit a little that's chunky a chunkier Logan version looks a little dirtier though this guy looks a lot cleaner but i yeah. guess because he's <laughs> not will, out there fighting armies i will also say i also just really enjoy seeing siri happy i think it's been a very long time since we've seen her like smiling like that so i can understand also why she would want to stay even though she knew it was a dream i could still understand why she would want to stay yeah, I think yeah. it's easy to forget how young she is. We all, all have dreams where we wake up and we're like, fuck, why'd you wake me up? I was having a good dream. Mm-hmm. So jumping to Kara Morn, uh, that real world series, we first get her kind of walk in the halls. I've been, I've been calling her a uh, monster series, MC. MC, yeah. Uh, Deathless Mother Possessed series is pretty much of a mouthful. So um Monster Siri is walking around. She ends up going to the trophy room and grabbing the knife that Vesemir told her about in episode two. It was when all the sleuths were there and she just kind of like was roaming the halls. It was cool that he actually did bring up on the rewatch in episode two. You know, uh, this witcher was the first witcher that died 
by a demon who we locked away in the woods and she killed ah, him with this knife. Nice. I did not catch that. That is really the, cool. Yeah. The knife was in the dream too. Was it not in the palace in, she walks past it, I think in her dream as well, right around the same time when she grabs it in care more mm-hmm. Good. I catch. gotcha. Oh uh, yeah. I don't have to go back and see that, but that's cool. That's shit. I, I think this knife, it was cool that when she actually saw it, her like face series, MC's face just kind of like lit up a little bit. Like she was like, Oh my God, I thought I lost that. So she proceeds to go around Garamorn and slit a bunch of throats. Um, what did you guys think about this? Savage. I did not Savage. expect this at all. Holy shit. The witchers are so, they just are such fodder. Right. Yeah, that was the first thing, especially with the way that she kills the first guy. Mm-hmm. She kind of almost like overpowers him and sl- slits his throat. Like less so with the second guy, which she just kind of stabs in the heart while he's sleeping. It's kind of hard to to do much about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just kind of the biggest thing I got from it more so than oh shit Siri was just that these dudes are kind of weak. I was really worried the first one was Cohen. I was gonna like freak a leak that they just killed off one of the main like witchers of the fodder, I guess you could call it. But I thought it was, I thought it was savage. At the end of the day, um, really cool. Just best of the best was, of the fodder. I just really in this moment, I was just like, I really hope Siri doesn't remember all this because if she learned that she did all this, like just how heartless she was here, this would just send her over the edge. So I was really worried about that. But I then I thought like she's so in her dream state, she literally probably has no recollection of doing this. Well, the good news about them killing so many of these witchers is that they can't be in the next season. So I'm hoping <laughs> that the writers, you know, learn a little bit and step the fuck away from Care Morn because this is turning into every time we're at Care Morn, it feels like it's my least favorite scenes of the season. Yeah. Just because they I just they're just so forgettable and weak and the opposite of what their lore is in the books of just miniature versions of Geralt. Like Geralt is the epitome and he is like the goat, but everybody else should be very fucking competent. Were they just not wearing their medallions at night or what would they do with them? Yeah. See, that was one of the dumbest things in the world was they weren't wearing their medallions. It was literally on the bedside table right next to them. And no reason they shouldn't be wearing them because it would alert them if something happens while they're sleeping. That's the the big use of it. And that was kind of my other thing. I think their medallions would have been vibrating off the chain with, you know, one of the original demons walking around the halls. I don't, I don't know if it was masked by being in Siri, but it goes off a lot of times for whether it be monsters or magic. So I don't know exactly why they weren't freaking out right here. Okay. So I'm going to say two things to that. As you were talking, this is just kind of what came to my mind. So one is that they maybe they don't sleep with them specifically at Kyra Morin just because maybe I'm just defending it. This might be a stupid defense, devil's advocate. But, yeah, it's devil's advocate. But maybe it's just because they they feel safe here. Like Kyra Morin's not the easiest place to find and locate. So maybe in that sense, they feel safe. But I also agree it's pretty stupid. But also, even when Geralt found Monster Siri his medallion it didn't look like it was vibrating that much like as much as it normally does and again i don't know if that's because what you were saying with because maybe it was a combination of Ser- like series body with the soul of the that, the deathless mother there maybe that's why they weren't going off but still agree they should still probably have them on at night yeah they've never really clarified too much on the rules of the medallion so i don't really have any comments it doesn't seem too consistent though uh- yeah, see, that's the thing is consistency again. Like when Eskel in episode two, when he t- 
turned into a full leshy mm-hmm. in the uh, other room, all of their medallions, including the ones on the tree, started freaking out. So I know there was shit flying back and forth through the air, but they didn't really show any of the medallions vibrating at all, or at least that I could see. And I was just a little upset with that. Yeah, that was but, honestly one of the cooler like little magic things that I feel like was introduced this season. I don't remember it being a thing in season one. So that is kind of disappointing. Dude, that's the best when you're reading the books and it's like Geralt's in the middle of a thought and he's like, all of a sudden his medallion started vibrating. And I was like, oh, let's go. Yeah, shit's going to go down. Yeah, we're going to get some killing. So Siri gets around. She ends up killing a bunch. I'm not exactly sure the number. I thought it was only, I thought it was only two. I thought it was only those I two. Think, and that's I it. think she kills three people. They show at least three, and then they kind of go on to say a few more names. I believe it was just those three that they showed. I don't know if it was any more. But she ends up going to Vesemir's room, going to kill him, and Geralt and Yen just ride up. So they obviously couldn't teleport from the Deathless Mother Forest. So they ride on their horses to Caramorn. And they get there just in time. They get there. Well, the monster Siri is about to stab Vesemir, and Geralt figures it out pretty quick. Love you know, that. Monster, yeah. Monster Siri tries to say, you know, she pulls the young girl voice, like hides the, the veins growing in her face and says like, oh, like I saw an old woman in a robe, like running around, saw it come out of the one witch's room. Um, Geralt's like, well, how'd you get out of it? And she was like, well, shit. Well, I screamed, didn't wake anybody or damage anything. And <laughs> I think what was confirmed, I don't know exactly what it was, but I think he goes up to Siri. There's like a cut on her cheek. And I think he like feels it. And because blood didn't come off or something like that, or I, I don't know if I'm just making that up or if he was just checking. But after he does the little cut on the cheek thing, he's that like, could, what do you want? be right because she she gets stabbed by Vesemir later in this episode and instantly heals and doesn't bleed. So that could be right. Is that the thing that, or was he looking for a wound mark from like taking all the damage from the obstacle course and then noticed that it wasn't there? I don't oh. think that that was her blood. Was there uh, a wound? I don't when, know. She, when would she, unless she cut, cut herself with the, her own knife in the face, in the cheek? I don't no, well, that could she be just, well, it also could be Dave, what you were saying, not the obstacle course, but uh, the episode prior, we get Geralt saving her while she's fighting the Sintran soldiers outside the gates, and they did kind of put on a scuffle. Maybe she cut her cheek there or something. And was Geralt, it there when she was killing the other witchers? I didn't notice it. No, nah, see, that's the thing. You know, I didn't really get that. Um, I, I tried looking it, was, it up, but I thought it was that yeah, she had blood on her face. Mm. I didn't even notice there was blood. I just thought he was just like. That wasn't her. Literally just him feeling her face to be like, yeah, is this Siri kind of thing? But okay. <laughs> all right, well, who cares? Either way, though, yeah. this led to something I was I can't believe the missed opportunity at this at this spot because once Monster Siri has it figured out, she instantly tries to kill Geralt and like slices like his face. I thought that was gonna give him the infamous scar that he has in all the Witcher games in the cover where he has the eye cut, because oh. that would have been perfect I, I was begging for that to be a thing but i think it was just a cut that was a similar spot because isn't it right down his eye too. like zoro mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a funny thought i never got that i uh i i don't know if he gets that in a game or if he's always had that 
but yeah, it's like the iconic scar. That would have been yeah. a really cool exactly story really behind really cool. it. It's like the Nick Fury eye thing. Um, I was kind of pissed that she hit him though. If I'm honest, I'm like, come on, Garrett, you're a witcher. You can't, and you know, she's like, something's wrong with her. You can't dodge or block out of the way, but he didn't have any weakness. That's true. He's freaking out. Um, yeah, he's, his thoughts are probably, holy shit. Somebody's possessed Siri, not she's going to punch me in the face. So you're right there, but yeah, exactly. She kind of runs away and now everybody's up in arms. Uh, they, show Vesemir going to all of the other witches rooms and seeing dead bodies. And then he, then he's like pretty much had it. He's like, all right, let's fucking go get all the elixirs you can. We don't know what else she can do. That was hype. They all mm-hmm. start popping them and you see Vesemir look all badass. Yeah. Uh, Lambert had a line here where he's like, I can't believe Siri did this, killed her brothers in our own home. And Cohen who seems to be the voice of reason in the witchers besides Geralt is like, that wasn't Siri. Like whoever that was, wasn't Siri. I just hate Cohen in the yeah. show. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hate Lambert. I love, I like Cohen in the show. He's, mm-hmm. he's good. We also, this is where we got the opening title sequence. I did want to mention that just because it was really cool. It was the coolest one by far. Yeah. By far the best one. That was like an image. It's just multiverse. Like that's pretty, pretty that much the, what it is. I got that as the conjunction. Like that was. Yeah. 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 I, going back to my theory from episode one or two, where we're going to get a second conjunction. What? That was pretty good. <laughs> it was, I didn't say anything because I, I think I had did see the finale at the time. So. We'll see what happens because even if it doesn't happen in the books, it seems like there's a chance that it could still have it in the show because oh hell yeah, they're not following the books very closely. So mm-hmm. animation of the spheres colliding and then coming back together. I don't know if that was supposed to be the tree, the Witcher tree, because when all the fragments do come back together, they form a tree. I don't know if it was that Witcher tree in particular. That would be cool if it was, and it would be cool if we get some information in uh, Witcher Blood Origins. Whenever that show's coming out, true, that, that would be really cool. I have a terminal wheel of time brain, and was just thinking that was just like a Vendasaur, like the Tree of Life. <laughs> Could be, maybe it's a crossover episode. They're not following mm-hmm. the book, so fuck it. The spheres, oh, yeah. like the one yeah. sphere, could be the wheel of time. <laughs> It'd be quite the conjunction. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just thinking. I feel like everyone in The Witcher would probably die. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Paul. No, I mean these witches are bitches. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> these witches are bitches, man. And Paul's identity is tied to the Witcher, and Kyle's is the wheel time. So no offense, Paul. Ah, yeah, look pretty at much. Yeah. Right there. yeah. Um, where were we? So uh, Vesemir's taking the elixir, and again, I like how they just don't shy away from showing the transformation from you know human or Witcher to like black eyes and pale skin. I like that. They do kind of watch it happen. Cause it does make it cooler. Um, it happens here with Vesemir. It happens later with Lambert. We get a quick conversation with Geralt and Vesemir. Geralt's trying to tell Vesemir the battle isn't with Siri. Like, come on, you know, this fucking Vesemir brings up when you killed Askel, it broke me, but you, but you were right. It had to be done. Same as now. Siri has to be eliminated. Demoted Vesemir in my head, like a whole tier of character, basically, from this one conversation. I was like, you suck now. Yeah, he's kind of a sucker this whole episode. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. He And he has the full turnaround after the fight when, like, 
I don't He's know. Like, Wolf, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have listened to you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, bro. You literally stabbed her. We all saw it. <laughs> and you tried to almost kill Geralt. Like, we yeah. saw you swinging that sword at him. Oh, we'll get but, to that. That was that was a badass moment in, like, caused by shitty writing. When he, like, yeah, we'll get yeah. to Yeah. <laughs> amazing Geralt moment. Professor yeah. Mir is garbage to me now. I mean. Yep. I don't know. It's not even the actor. It's just the writing behind his actions. Um, so I hope we're not Yen. shitting on. It. Yeah, I hope we're not <laughs> shitting on it too much because we do like. No. It. Well, honestly, um, we're not even like we're, we got to get to the good parts. The good parts is the end. Yeah. Right. So again, Vesemir kind of goes with Geralt a little bit. He's not fully on board, but he's like, "All right, I'll help you out." Because Geralt says, "I need you." Line. Yen comes up. Geralt walks right by Yen, doesn't pay her any attention, still kind of pissed at her, given their silent treatment. Like a uh, boss. Yeah, Yen's like, fuck, I got to do something. So she goes to Yashkia's room. She's like, wake up. And he's snoozing. You know, he's he's got the post-drunk nappies. And he's like, dude, the last time I woke up and you were at the end of the bed, you grabbed my balls and blew up the building. So <laughs> I'm going to go back to bed. <laughs> oh, my God. I loved that um, because I actually watched an interview with Joey and Anya and that scene where she like grabs him by the dick and he's like, she's like, sing for me. And he starts singing and toss a coin to your penis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, <laughs> that was completely ad-libbed. That was oh, just Yaskier and Anya just doing their own thing. grabbed his junk off script. Maybe they talked about it like in the moment <laughs> before it happened. That would be crazy. But she, they, I, mean, I would have been crushed. a stunt double. That'd have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can you sing like Ashka? She could have tested out her uh, her touch, her grip strength on me. God, this is where our fucking review comes from. <laughs> <laughs> what? She's hot. <laughs> a bit, a bit, a bit, uh, is this when yes, they go? She yes, should, Yen yeah. just goes. Yeah, to they the go Witcher right to the lab, lab, and she starts yeah. working on a cure, and she she. I actually don't even remember what the real purpose of that item that she gives to Yasker to give to, to Geralt ends up being. It's like the thing they mentioned, like balance. Jasper. Yeah. Energy. What, what, what did that end up balance. being? Nothing. Okay. So that's what I thought. It was, I think I it was like a, a way to right wrongs was something they were talking about. Geralt looks at it at the end and he's like, oh, that's it. Like the Jasper itself isn't actually used. Okay. So, yeah, I didn't like that part because it felt like that was Yen's whole purpose throughout this scene was. I mean, she was cooking shit up and she had the cool line. I'm going to do what witches do best. I'm going to make a potion or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which she doesn't use. Which she doesn't use. So like that whole scene <laughs> to me was just, it was only good because the, the actors are awesome, but like the content yeah. didn't make much yeah, that, whatever. This was like my personal only sh- trifle with the episode was just the fact that that Jasper, I just don't know what it does still. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. Whatever. Just skip it. We'll get there. Yeah. Basically, it gives Yasky a purpose as... Yes, Gear, now you have to go run into the room where all the action's happening. So we cut to Monster Siri. She is at the main hall, you know, with the Witcher tree and the medallions. It's funny, Geralt's the one that finds her. But as soon as he does, all the other ones kind of rush in. We did get the really cool scene of all the witchers kind of going around drinking the elixirs, grabbing grabbing their swords. And we see Cohen like open a door and only one eye is black. Because like his scarred eye doesn't affect doesn't mm. get affected by the elixir anymore, mm. so that was really cool. But yes, they all rush in. Geralt deduces really quickly 
she wasn't trying to escape. So what is her motive now? They go through the whole conversation. Give me Siri back. You know, that's not how it works. Uh, it's not a matter of it's not a matter of price. It's a matter of cost, which I don't understand the difference between those. If I'm honest, <laughs> I think that comes down to the way I took it the second time. Is the first time I was like, "What the fuck does that mean?" But it seems more like it's not up to her; it's up to him. Okay, gotcha. Like price would be that she would set the conditions, while cost it's what's costing him. So it's what he's willing to give up versus what she's willing to take from him. Gotcha. Thank you, because even after three times, I was like, Sierra, you're not making sense here. <laughs> but eventually they get the make your ask line. Carol says, hey, I will be your vessel. Leave her alone. She's like, that would be fun. <laughs> but no. <laughs> and this is where Gaskier runs in yelling. He's like, hey, Carol. <laughs> and he's like, oh, um, you guys are busy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just like, he's like he thinks about it he's like yeah no never mind pure, <laughs> like walks away again. pure comedy relief this episode he had maybe like six lines and they were all like either interrupted or completely nuanced like just unnecessary to anyone else in the room so great great yasker is always a good good person for that hell yeah but this is actually where shit starts to hit the fan because after the witchers get interrupted by Yaskier, they turn around and unsheathe their swords. This causes Monster Siri to scream at the witcher tree for the first time. And the tree cracks open and reveals the mini monolith or stellocyte. Maybe it's not a monolith, but it is stellocyte. Even Vesemir was like, what the fuck? Because that's yeah, what we were, that was great. That's what we were all thinking. That was such a good plot twist. I like I it wasn't it, yeah. guessable, of course, but it was it's so cool. If you're going to lean into the monoliths, like really lean into them, this is the way to do it. It makes care more and way special. It makes the tree just like more epic. I just thought it was, it was, it was perfect. I think this one is definitely going to be more important than maybe like said other ones, because if it, there's a reason it's at Caramore and there's a reason that the tree was quote, maybe quote unquote protecting it. So interested to see how they tackle this monolith, especially since the monoliths again, aren't book materials. So I'm just, I'm excited to see how they do it. Yet at the same time, a little fearful if they steer a little too far off, you know, that still blows my mind that these aren't from the books. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> I think that blood origin will actually have a lot to do with this monolith, probably just because they were the first witchers. They probably planted the tree that grew around it or something along those lines. Um, but really quickly, if you paused it when they first reveal it, there is like glyphs and carvings in the top of it. So it was touched by some type of intelligence. Like it, it I assume it was used for magical powers before. Dude, this they're is just the monolith. Yeah. Yes. They're basically just pony glyphs. I just can't get that out of my pony head. Glyphs. Especially when I saw it right there. I was like, Roger was here, man. He was fucking wow. right in there. That was the engravings <laughs> on the top of it. It was just Roger was here. Honestly, that could be it. It'd be like, hey, first witchers. Yo, man, uh, the multiverse is open. One of those spheres could be the One Piece sphere. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Just Luffy as a witcher. Which stretchy oh my witcher. God. <laughs> yeah, everyone but, in the witcher world would die again. <laughs> uh, yes, again. Sorry, everyone Paul. in the witcher world is bitches. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Paul. <laughs> Carol would last a little bit and then die. Uh, but uh, you don't get a quick, uh, you don't get too long of a look, I, I should say, of the 
monolith because Siri, Monster Siri, just obliterates it. She cracks it into a million shards with a scream and then throws all the shards at the Witchers. And cue the, cue the really badass part of this episode. Yep. This was all cool. All the Witchers were pulling out the the Ken or Quen sign, Q U E N, and that's basically just a shield. They've used it once or twice. Um, it was really cool. Like you can see slow motion, like Henry Cavill hitting his chest and then getting the shield out there just in time to block all the fragments. The very first um, guy does not. Whoever the first one was closest to Siri just yeah. gets wrecked. The, yeah, it doesn't get it up in time. The first one and the last one, because mm-hmm. after all the shards go this way, she reverses it. And the last guy was not able to turn his uh, Ken shield back in time. That was they really- did, though. I did notice that when, like, it goes back to when the basilics actually come out, like, that guy's fine. That guy, he's... Oh, really? They're, they're all just, like, swords out, ready to go. Like, the, the shower of the shards never happened. I noticed that on my on my second watch. That's actually really funny. So, these monsters that come out might be the best-looking monsters of the show. Like, maybe, maybe even more specifically, the third one, the one that Geralt kills in, like, swan. the coolest mm-hmm. way ever. But I... The, the one positive i guess about the witchers i'll give them in this episode was at this moment when these two basilisks walks out they like creep out all of the witchers are just confident as fuck they just whip the swords out like ready to go and that's correct like they shouldn't be scared even though these things are fucking insane but that little detail was good because they weren't like you know you didn't have any people like freaking out and these were new basilisk basilisks yeah. too that they a species of basilisk that they hadn't recognized before mm-hmm. so again yeah they I think they sucked because really they're trained to fight certain beasts in certain ways and they've never seen this beast. So they don't know how to go about fighting it. That's was my head cannon to why they all got slaughtered. Not because they were weak. Okay. Gerald is just the best, obviously, but I did like how um, on the third rewatch, you know, cause I already said like what the fuck's going on in the first one. I, I couldn't emotionally set aside that Siri is just creating a portal to another world in the middle of Karamorn and unleashing Basilisk. I was freaking out, but I did like how the fragments ended up, you know, circling, creating the portal. I thought mm-hmm. it was a cool use of like, CGI like Luke budget? said, yes, great CGI budget, but if they're leaning into it, I, I at least like what they're doing with it. Real quickly, Geralt tells Vesemir and another witcher to cast Erden, which is another sign. And this is kind of just like a trap. You use it in the games to slow your enemies. Wheel of Time. Um, just you, like shielded. Time. Yeah, I was just thinking of how they just trapped uh, Logan. Logan, yeah. Um, we get like conversation between Geralt and Siri in this bubble saying, like, tell me what you want. She's the future and you're in my way. So they just end up fighting inside this bubble. It was funny. I don't know. I was like, what is the goal here? Are you going to kill yet? They're like, Geralt? Like, I don't know. Yeah, because that's the part when Geralt, you know, we're flashing back and forth between Siri's mind and what's actually happening in the tree room. And like Geralt's starting to get through to her subconscious because she's screaming Siri's name. And in the, the Sintra throne room, you're hearing Geralt's voice. But yeah, dude, when Geralt just no look blocks Vesemir because Vesemir's like given up on the idea that they're going to survive this without just murdering Siri. Yeah. That moment was just, it was this almost as cool as when Vesemir or when Geralt no looks uh, Yennefer in that last episode. Like he's just so aware. Yeah. I just love that. Like he's, <laughs> I think he's, he's the best. Siri even, well, Monster Siri kind of even taunts him of like, you're not going to get here. Like, and then <laughs> Geralt just stops him, of course. So I thought that yeah. was a nice little yeah. line too. 
You think you're going to get through Geralt to get to me? <laughs> you idiot. Sick. And that happens because Vesemir and the other Witcher end up dropping their Yuridan signs because all the other Witchers were dying. They ran to help fight the other two Basilisks. Mm-hmm. Yet, the still two Basilisks were still alive, kicking and killing people. No damage. Do they not get one of them, at least, with the fodder they, they get both of them oh, okay. at the very end, um, right before they all hold hands and come together. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, they're still running wild and like getting their head faces chomped off. I, I kind of liked that CGI. That was like yeah. r- really gruesome, but really cool. Um, Geralt's yelling at Seer this whole time to stay strong. Like Luke said, getting the flashes. So this is where the big boy comes in. I mean, we kind of already talked about him. Geralt is just the best. I mean, there's how many witchers and two smaller basilisks. Geralt 1v1s this big guy. 40, 45 seconds, 50 seconds, already dead. And tell me again, because I know you guys watched it a little bit more recently than me. What? How did he gets the final kill on the bridge out there? Is just, isn't it just like so, the coolest thing ever? Yeah, it's pretty sweet. He gets knocked on his back on the bridge. And the basilisk is drooling over him. And it's like corrosive drool. Like there's acid on his armor, which actually stays there at the end scene. Another detail that I really liked. But uh, he throws up the Igni sign. So the basilisk throws his head back. And then when the fire stops, he comes back. But Geralt already has the sword sword there. So like the basilisk impales himself. And then he just stands up and then has it's like a shish kebab mm-hmm. he has both parts of his head on the sword and then just pulls forward and makes it into fours of his of his My bottom God, and dude, upper nobody head. knows how to use gravity like Geralt, bro he in the, <laughs> the in best. the rients when he kills yeah. the, uh the brothers he that's yeah. it's just so fucking cool man and you He's gotta awesome. know that henry was like hyped to do that yeah. motion and like film that part and then he just body checks it off the bridge real quick. Yeah, that was cool. He's like, fuck you. And it just like falls. And it dies. looked great, too, the way it fell and everything and landed. Mm-hmm. They just it, have been killing it, I feel like, with the way the monsters look and things like that. The last thing I'll say, if you're going to make a lot of these changes and, you know, you understanding that you're probably going to alienate some fans, but at least it looks good mm-hmm. when they're yeah. doing a lot of these things. So that makes it a little harder to get super upset at it. I think these are some of the best CGI battles like in any movie or show ever. Like they're just so well choreographed and the CGI is just phenomenal. It just looks like it's like real. It's just incredible what they're doing here. It's it's nuts and it draws in a lot of fans. I mean, it drew me in season one. So the the Michelet brother they're fight, doing a good job. The Michelet brother fight is still my favorite, or however you pronounce that this season i think and probably of the series mm. but this is up there i still think the chore- choreography of the end of episode one in season one is the see best i was moment. getting the same vibes from the michelet brother fight like it felt like the same kind of fight almost so those two are my favorite without a doubt but i would give the edge maybe yeah, because there's uh, maybe John, recent johnny Bynes. dogs yeah johnny blinders in that scene because i don't think he is <laughs> the goat <laughs> That would be uh that would be fun to go back and rate all of Geralt's fights from the yeah. first two seasons. This one's definitely top three. I think it is probably I like the Striga one. Striga one. <laughs> <laughs> you guys made a good point though. It's almost like cooler watching Geralt fight humans than it is monsters because mm-hmm. the choreography between the the human to human combat is is pretty nuts. And it's like Shout crazy how Henry Cavill. 
He also can just wield that sword just so fast. I know it's not. What, what was <laughs> we already we, talked about that because it's like an actually that. like a half sword in real life. But, but it's just mm-hmm. I love how fast he can wield it still at the end of the day. When it's not fighting scenes, he actually does do it because he. I watched one of his workout videos where he was like, "Yeah, I got a big, uh, big scene coming up in, in the next few days where I have to wield this, you know, seventeen pound sword around." So I'm doing arms. <laughs> I was like, "You're, you're a beast." He's doing baby. arms. Yeah, that's what he was doing. Jeff. That's, that's what he's definitely doing. Respect, so Henry, respect. <laughs> Geralt walks into the throne room. Uh, everything is hitting the fan. Yen is walking in saying, I made a potion to extract the deathless mother. He still is just paying her no attention. Um, <laughs> this is when Vesemir walks up, stabs Siri in the side, which I was like, come on, Vesemir, you suck ass, but whatever. Geralt's like, dude, if you kill her, you kill Siri. And Vesemir gets this weird look where he's like, Oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, <laughs> come on, you fucking idiot. Um, the Deathless Mother goes into a little monologue about how the witchers feel everything, especially hate. You know, maybe they don't show it or they don't feel it as much, but they do, especially hatred. Um, this is when Lambert and Cohen take out the other two Basilisks. Yeah, finally. Um, and we also see Geralt look down at the Jasper and he's like, Jasper gives the courage to rectify wrongs. That gives him the epiphany that hate is what she is using to grow stronger. So let's not give her what she wants. Mm-hmm. This is where they all come together shoulder to shoulder and go, Siri, if you can hear me, come home. <laughs> <laughs> Vesemir is probably a, he's losing his touch a little bit. Don't you think? Definitely. That, I think that's yeah. the angle they're taking that he's, uh, he's getting a little old. Sliding into dementia. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Damn. That's what it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, let me stab this little girl. I understand. I don't know. He's like, oh, did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I don't fuck with that anymore. That's out the window. Oh, my God. Uh, so as they're all yelling to her, this is where Siri in her dream, in her trance, is talking to her mother, but she's hearing her mother and father, but she's hearing Geralt's and all the other witcher's voice, you know, come back to us. Can you hear us, girl? Cohen was the one saying that. Vesemir is, I believe in you. I'm sorry for what I did. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, bro, not now. Okay, maybe you should just sit this one out while everybody else cheers her on. (laughs) The power of friendship. Yeah. So eventually Siri gets pulled back to the real world but before she does she sees um everybody in her dream turn to ash she Dude, sees it, Kalanthi. Was, it was the snap from avengers straight up yeah it was calanthe mousak and pavetta was all turning to ash if you were paying attention yep i was dooney does not ash up at all he's not ashy he's using his lotion and you think um, it's just because he's alive like, I, didn't ca- I didn't catch reason. that. That's cool. I yeah, think that's... everybody that turned to Ash in her dream were people that are dead. Mm-hmm. And Dooney, because he was not dead, was obviously not turning. So I was curious if they were going to actually, the first the first watch through, just leave it at that. But, the, you know, the end scene, the big scene, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, this was just the intro to everything that was getting wrapped up in this last, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. So to wrap up the end of this Deathless Mother storyline, 
they realize Yen specifically realizes that she needs to right the wrong. I don't know exactly what that means, but she just throws the potion on the bottle, uses the glass and slices her wrist and blood was just gushing. That was nuts. Her blood pressure is insane. She must be stressed all the time. Um, Eventually she says, I can be the vessel for her. That is her goal. She starts chanting an elder. Eventually you see the, the ashes of the deathless mother form when she's not in a vessel kind of transfer some from Siri to Yen. Um, and Yen is just kind of sitting there in a daze. She's not really doing anything. Siri comes to and Gerald is like, Hey, I know you've been through a lot, but I need you to open a portal. Um, this we're trying to get this bitch back to where she came from and pause real quick. Cause I, I thought it was like, I don't know if it was done purposely, but the whole Yennefer thing in this scene seemed like there was two good callbacks to her backstory and her in season one, like the vessel, obviously referring to what she was trying to do with the genie back in, when she met Geralt. And then also okay. the first thing I thought when she slit her wrist was, damn, that's like what she did in when she first got to Aratuza and she wanted to keep those scars as a, like a reminder. And then she was so willing to do it again, except this time for Siri rather than self-pity. So I thought all of that was like nice call to Yennefer as a character and what she went through in season one. I agree. I thought it was a really cool moment to see. We know how selfish she is. We know what her image means and her power to, to everybody else. Like mm-hmm. we said, she freed Kahir and ran away rather than admit she didn't have powers. So to, to watch her make a sacrifice, it was, it was like, Hey, like, yeah, you actually care about Siri. Especially after her, yeah, like Luke was just saying, being all about herself for the like this whole season, basically, she was only for herself. So it was a nice uh, moment for her to just finally realize that Siri is important to not only her, but also to her lover, Geralt, you know. Luke, that's actually really good comparison with the genie and everything for the season one. I never thought of that. It mm-hmm. honestly makes sense. It could be the same chant. I'm not, I haven't paid attention. That would be insane. That would be if, really if they cool. Did that. You haven't been studying your Elvis or your elder. Nah, <laughs> my elder tongue is pretty shoddy. If I'm honest. Um, but I loved this line where Geralt is saying, you know, we need to trap Volithmia once and for all. If you can pull monsters through monoliths, maybe you can send one back. She's like, Oh, Yennefer's lessons. I don't know if I had enough time. I was like, didn't you only get two lessons? Like one was the orbiculum and two was the bridge. I mean, um, she, didn't she just like completely change the topography of the largest river on the continent in the second lesson, though? Seems like uh, <laughs> she's got the juice at the very least. Yeah, she, did, she can. Well, she teleported in that second lesson from one side of the uh, river to the other, which will come into play in one second. But right here, she pulls up a portal and this portal looks different from the monolith ones. I don't know exactly if that means anything. And I guess Siri could single this one out. Um, because of the pull thing that she was talking about, you know, she feels a pull from some monsters monoliths. Maybe she could feel the pull that the deathless mother had to her original sphere, because that was one of my big ones. It was like, how did Siri know which door to open quote unquote, but as the portal opens, Yen actually her body like lurches forward. Like the deathless mother was like jumping into it, not Yen's body specifically, but like she was being pulled. I thought that was really interesting. And Geralt ends up grabbing her and Siri ends up getting pulled into the portal as well. Um, we see the Deathless Mother go off immediately. And then, holy shit, we get the Wraiths of Morg, the Wild Hunt, 
come rattling in and, and Kyle, you got a little glimpse of them before, but what are, what are your thoughts on them now, now that you got them talking a little bit? Uh, if I'm honest, I literally had no idea what was going on in this scene. <laughs> I'm <laughs> this, still... this, it's tough. This scene is just, I mean, they're in a whole nother fucking universe. And I think this whole wild hunt thing, like we can hold off on opinions about it because it seems like it opens up problems because how was the wild hunt seemingly based in this universe that the deathless mother is from also popping up my... in the, the main universe. And then also it seems like the deathless mother now took is the vessel. The new vessel is now one of the wild hunts So meaning like if we see them again in the future, she's going to be part of it. That part's fine. I just don't get the double cross of the wild hunt in multiple universes. And again, yeah. there's no source material to go off of except maybe the video game. I don't really know much. The video games called, I think Witcher three is called the wild hunt. So I don't know if they get into that. But yeah, that it seems like there's potential problems, but at face value, it was just I'm just taking it as it was badass. We'll get answers next season. Yeah, and that's that's a good way to put it, because I don't think you're supposed to know too much about it right now. We Um, have no idea if like even like as finishing the books, like I still had no idea what the Wraiths of Morgan, what the Wild Hunt was in the books. So hopefully, like Luke said, we can get an expl- like a, maybe an actual definition of what and where they're from, because I, I'm also just so confused on what they if they're like, if they're symbolic or if they're like actually yes. a thing, you know, I have no idea. Yeah, they're supposed to be an omen, but also mm. still a thing like you yeah. see them physically and they're an omen. Yeah. But the, I don't think they're supposed to be like people that come down and start fucking murdering like, people like it looks like they're setting up to be actual fighters. Like I think in the books, like, isn't it like it's basically like Aurora Borealis. Like you see yes. visions of people just running through the sky, basically. And it's just like signifying okay, like yeah, the end of days end of are days, coming yeah. or something like that. So hopefully we get into it. That's all I wanted them to say about that. The dialogue line was cool. But yeah, yeah. Child, Child of the Elder Blood, blood. <laughs> starry-eyed daughter of chaos. Join our hunt. Your place is among us. You are ours. What's that mean, Kyle? Means that that guy is gone. Dips grandfather. Nice. It could be. I mean, isn't like I know. I think that the race, though, like in, historically, they're just like really influential people, right? Kind of, or like, do we know? No. I thought they I were supposed to be like the uh, like the world's greatest warriors is what they were supposed to be in the books, but maybe I'm now you're thinking of wheel time. Yeah. <laughs> it's very possible. <laughs> I do like the um the epithet. I believe that's how you pronounce that word. <laughs> of um starry eyed daughter of chaos. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a nice epithet and things like that. So I just gonna just gonna keep using the word to feel is right. it epitaph or yeah. epitaph? It just feels right saying it that way, so I'm gonna okay. keep rolling with it. But uh, I mean, especially because fantasy series like this are ripe with them, mm. so it always feels nice when they're when they're good and they hit hard. Yeah, I, I just think that. this was a great seed plant. We got a glimpse into another universe. It looked wildly different. That's just good aesthetic. And then the wild hunt's clearly going to be more important, just like the monoliths are than we thought, and just like the con- conjunction of spheres. So it seems like they're just they're going to stay in this path of mm. all this new big level lore is going to play way more of an important role. And that's fine. I mean, as long as they do it, okay. The Wild yeah. Hunt sounds like college. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> to end the scene, uh, Siri just grabs Geralt and Yen's hands and teleports him back. Doesn't okay. portal him, teleports him. Uh, we are back at Karen Morn. Siri is saying to Geralt, you know, was that the race of Morg? And he, she was like, yeah, but, you know, we're safe for now. Don't worry about it. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. 
basically setting up later season shit, like you were saying. Uh, Yen's wrists, she's all healed up. Heals, she goes up to Cohen and starts healing him. So, you know, her magic is back right away. Um, I, I don't really understand how or why. I mean, understand that she made a sacrifice and she right her righted her wrong, but I don't know, I understand it. I just take it as the Deathless Mother is such a powerful entity, write it off as it flowed through her, left residual power, reawakened it, blah, blah, blah. It's good enough. Yeah, that's a little lame for me. I wish I had more of an explanation, but I don't think we're going to get one. It's like the magicians. Uh, what's Julia? Like she had her, her powers gone and then was it? No. Kind of the spark regrew. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Yen's power spec. Vesmir is <laughs> grabbing everyone's medallions, and this is when uh, Geralt kind of walks up and says, "You know, we're leaving. Uh, I don't know where we just went, but I did see that the Wild Hunt is after Siri, so we got to go." Vesmir was like, "Dude, I'm sorry. Like, I should have trusted you." And he was like, "No, no, 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 no. It's not because you just stabbed my daughter, Siri. <laughs> it's, don't worry. Yeah, that's was, fine. That's fine. <laughs> I was pissed." So, yeah, I don't know. I, I am very curious to see if we're going to get Vesemir and Kara Morn in season three. I assume we will because it's such a big part of the story. But, I mean, who knows? I don't. It won't be a whole season again. If anything, it'll just be like a pit stop, I feel like, at some point in time. Hmm. So the last line he says to him is, she's marked for something. Siri, this girl, is marked for something. The Wild Hunt, Nilfgaard, everyone on the continent won't stop coming for her. So... I got to leave for your sake. Goes and has a combo with Yen real quick. And you saying, yeah, you got your magic. Uh, you know, she was saying, yeah, I felt it come back when I sacrificed myself. I do it again in a heartbeat. So she's basically coming to terms with, I'm sorry. I sacrificed myself for her. I hope you understand that I realize how much she means to you. That was so many pronouns. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I think um, that it's nice that we're kind of sandwiching the beginning of the season was kind of Geralt becoming or coming to terms rather of what it is to be a dad to Siri. Mm-hmm. And now the ending is now Yen knows what it's like to be a mother. My favorite yeah. like intricacy of their dialogue back and forth is that Geralt does not forgive Yennefer yet. He says yeah. like the, the pathway is there. Maybe we can get over this together. But right now I don't trust you. And that's how Geralt should be he's very very defensive and what happened this episode that would have made him forgive Yennefer besides like a little bit of sacrifice like I I'm all in on how Geralt reacted it makes sense mm. if just, he started yeah. kissing her and shit I would have been furious. that would have been a, yeah not good I'm just gonna comment on the the concept that her offering up her entire life is a little bit of sacrifice yeah that's it. <laughs> it's basically maybe a watch I'm just, yeah <laughs> I'm just playing you could have done more again Selfish. Yeah, why are you even still here? Uh, <laughs> Geralt is telling her, use your knowledge of magic to train the girl. You're the only person who has helped her control her powers, even if it was just a little bit. And she has a weird line where she's like, as if I trust anyone else with her. I'm like, all right, you're still you're still getting back in good graces. Don't push you're her. Right. That's kind of her though, isn't it? Yes, you're right. That totally I guess is, yeah. show her. I'm not, I can't comment on any other <clears throat> any other mediums of the Witcher. Uh, that's a that's a Yen quote. That would that that holds true. Yeah, I just love that. Just that picture of them, like Yen sitting down next to Siri and Geralt, mm. kind of standing behind them. That's like the fucking squad. Yeah, it is. That's 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 fam. Yeah. That's uh, right. 
he brings up the golden dragon from season one. You guys remember the name? Uh, Jack Dawes. Oh, <laughs> the real name is just insane, yeah, yes. right? Yeah. No. Villain Trenton Mirth. Okay. <laughs> that was the, the name of the, the gold dragon. I you were talking about the old man version. Basically the same thing. <laughs> but Villain Trenton Mirth, uh, he told us that we were made for each other, destined for each other, and that nothing would come of it because destiny alone is insufficient. Something more is needed. She is something more. And that's gang, like gang. iconic, right? Something more. Isn't that like a term? That's a chapter. It's a chapter it's name. Chapters. Yeah. Like, I chapter. think it's like an iconic chapter or something. It's basically like, it's like the, the name. What was the, um, dear friend? Like, it's like, yeah, you know, one is, of those things yeah. in the community that people recognize mm-hmm. as like important for the, Witcher. I didn't catch it, but glad you pointed it out. I wrote it in quotes. <laughs> don't worry. Nice. <laughs> uh, like I said, they go to Siri. Um, they have a little chat. You know, they're saying, hey, it's us three now. We're going to help each other. What is destined cannot be avoided, and it shouldn't be. So we're just going to face it head on. Um, Geralt goes a little bit into what Volithmir wanted from you, saying she has been here since conjunction. She was from another sphere, but has been stuck here this whole time. Um, these monoliths that you shatter that pull another species of monsters through every time you scream, those could be gateways to other spheres. Her scream awoke her and that's why she wanted you she wanted to go home so i guess her first scream from the first monolith from season one awoke the deathless mother and we just never saw that that's kind of cool yeah yeah it's it's uh interesting to weave it in there mm-hmm. again just want to reiterate the love of seeing our our fam together we, as book readers <laughs> we want we've wanted to see this for a little bit now and we're glad we got it at the end of season two this is hey. just us show watchers have been looking forward to it as well. <laughs> as well, yes. <laughs> um, but this is like the strongest family in all of existence. Like, I don't think anyone in Incredibles Witcher in, in Witcher history. Oh. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> that was the first could family top, could top this this family. That's funny that that was the first Especially one. Especially if you add Uncle Yasker to the yeah. picture, you know. Have you ever heard of uh, the True. monkey family from the One Piece universe? <laughs> <laughs> That's true as well. It's pretty good. Carol. <laughs> <laughs> you can beat some ass. Geralt ends this by saying, like, hey, I figured all that out, but what I still don't understand is why Nilfgaard knew that you were the key to their future. Like, how did they know before anyone else? How do they know the truth about you? And put a pin in that, that right? scene? Yeah, yeah, let's put a yeah, pin in that we'll one. That. That'll be the last scene that we uh, we cover. Well, we're going to jump to Aratusa real quickly because there was a big to say a scene. Um, she is giving a speech to the Brotherhood. She's saying, you know, she has green eyes and ashen hair. That's iconic Siri. That is what everybody is looking for when they hear of Siri. Like all these wanted posters and all these orders, they're like green eyes, ashen hair, go find her. So that was iconic to get that. You know, the lion cub of Sintra alive and with a witcher at Sodden. They're all freaking out about it. Like, what's going on? They are also learning that Dijkstra um, came to Eretuza and he's sniffing around for something. So they don't really trust Redania. They, they say, hey, if Redania actually gets Sintra, they're going to be the most powerful one and we're going to be licking their boots. We can't let this happen. We can't let Nilfgaard or Redania get Siri. So what should we do? Let's put a bounty on her. Everybody's going for Siri now. Everybody in the world. This just feels like one of those classic like one piece in between arc things where we get like just different viewpoints and updated bounties and shit like that. It's just a nice 
nice reset to know where everybody pull everyone in like the main politics stands with Siri because that's what we're doing. We're just jumping from scene to scene. And I want to take the next one, but Kyle keeps shaking his head like he has something to say here about to say. Yeah, fuck to say, <laughs> dude. All my homies wrong? hate to say. That's what I was thinking. I loved her so much, yeah. and then all of a sudden she's like, "We got to snag this bitch." What a betrayal of the highest order. Yeah, right. It's literally in South Park when like the gang, the four guys are all up to something and like <laughs> Kyle says something maybe a little slightly ridiculous and Cartman just like grabs Kenny and goes to the Stan, and he's just like, guys, we got to kill Kyle. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> we got to kill Siri here. But yeah, I, again, <laughs> this is just a great setup here. Uh, again, politics, love it, especially in these moments with just all these powerhouse mages and the bro- and kings and everything. It's just really cool seeing how they know each other. And do, what kings and queens that we know? Do we, we know, know? Foltis was there. I know there was Foltis, another book one, but I'm not sure. If- Foltis was there. Uh, Queen Maeve. Queen yep. Meeve. Meeve. She Meeve. was the younger uh, woman who was talking, saying she actually had the line, you know, I'll come out and say it. The girl was far less trouble for us when she was dead. Mm-hmm. So that's when they say we'll put a bounty on the girl. I think there's a few other ones. I, I actually tried looking it up. I don't. I didn't get any confirmed names, so I don't want to be putting names out there that don't exist. And um, I think Queen Maeve, and I could be wrong, and I'm not going to say it now, but just a nod to anybody that's read the books. I'm pretty sure she she has one of the funniest, cool moments in the entire book series. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I okay. believe that's her as well. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You we're, know I, I, about. we're thinking of the same one. Yeah, yeah. But let me get so, the next one if we're good. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's pretty much it. The, the only thing we got is to say it says, welcome to the Brotherhood to Queen Maeve. Cool. Um, Meave or Maeve, I still don't know. Anyway, if when you say Queen Maeve, I just think new. of the boys. Isn't that exactly. her name? That's yeah. Queen Maeve. Queen Maeve is, yeah. yeah. So, uh, when they June said put 3rd. a bounty, June 3rd, season three, <laughs> yeah, it's coming out. When they said put a bounty, I don't know if they meant kill or capture. And to be honest, I'm it, it might be up in the air. I feel like when if I'm thinking of it from the perspective of that time period, I would just say capture is dead or alive. Yeah, but I feel like it, it It seems like even if it is alive, it's with the mindset that they're going to kill it. Yeah, if no, like, yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, Cuts. kill first, and if you, like, I guess if you can capture alive, but, like, just kill first. Just context of the scene. Maeve said she mm-hmm. was better. Help, she was way more helpful when she's dead. I think that's yeah. just it. Yeah. And also, anybody who... Pre- easier to hate to say is, so that's what I'm going to go with. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. <laughs> and anybody who protects her. Yeah. We got that line as well. Yeah. So now people that protect her are targets. Are bounties going to be a thing now? I wish. I wish that anything's was on the like, table with this we damn power scale. The Witcher universe, with like bounties. Witcher's one million berries. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope we get like a like a a currency amount. I almost said dollar amount. But. No, there, I don't think we a, would. But I doubt they. Uh, I doubt they toss around George Washington's on the continent. Uh, there's a few different things. There's like orange. There's Nilfgaardian marks. There's different currencies for different parts of the continent. Yeah. It's actually really confusing in the game because you have to go to a bank and then get your other shit. It's a whole <laughs> like, thing. Is there like That's more cool. trustworthy ones than other ones? Uh, I think Orin's is like the, the the one that is universal or something That's like that. Hilarious, that there's more no, like sound money. No, Guardian marks. You don't want to trust that. Yeah, yeah. It's similar like Wheel of Time. Like you get a Tarvalon mark. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> you got to bite the f- it to check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to trust those ones. All right, Luke, you got this one? Yeah, so the next scene is directly after jumping from the Brotherhood led by Tesea, we now are going to catching back up to Rience and the aftermath of what was going on 
with the last time we saw him where Lydia, the other mage that was there, she like inhaled series blood and it just we I think when we talked on about last podcast, you guys thought or Kyle, you might have said you thought she died or it was oh, implied. Yeah. So this is her showing back up. She's basically they're both of their faces are just completely destroyed. Um, but they're talking to I think they refer to him as their lord. So I just want to leave it up in the air, of course, just to ask you, put it on the board while we're here of who you think they're talking to. And if there's any who's reason their, behind it. Who's their employer? Yeah. Vilgefortz. Okay. Any reason why? Well, isn't the power that he has? I feel like I remember his fight with Kahir was him like moving like places very quickly. And they, they mentioned Rien says multiple times, like your guy would be here immediately. Your guy would be here immediately. So I'll say though, it's what you're thinking for that scene is he teleports his sword. I don't think it's himself, mm. but he teleports his sword a lot. Still, yeah, he's a mage, isn't he? That's a yeah. that's just an interesting pick, just because you know you've obviously had your your qualms with him, especially that one scene in season one towards the end where he kind of wakes up and he, he gives that like evilish looking smirk. So um, yeah, it's just an interesting guess. All, so. But it's it's so hard to tell, obviously, too, because as we just saw in the scene before this, so many people are trying to put a hit out on Syria anyway. Like, yeah, so I just think also like. It's they're not like working for Nilfgaard, but like they're kind of working with with Nilfgaard in the sense that like they kind of get a prisoner out of the prison in that that happens in Sintra, right? Is he not locked up in Sintra? Yeah. Yes, which is the Nilfgaardian stronghold. Vilgefortz has some type of odd relationship with Nilfgaard in a way, so I, that would just be my guess. And Obviously, they do they hint I feel at like if it was. I'm sorry to to talk yeah. over you though, but I feel like. There's a reason why we don't see who it is at this point. Could just be because they're waiting to reveal the character next season. But I feel like that also gives a little credence to like it might be someone that we know already. Mm -hmm. And they kind of talk about like what their plans are, or at least what like how this news about Siri and all this war in the north between Novgaard and Redania, like all this chaos is kind of going to give them a chance to go look for the girl why the north northern war is happening but one thing i want to point out point out is lydia who is this new character she can't talk anymore and so what she does is she communicates telepathically and that's why you have like the weird sound when when they're going through it um and that's the part that i am just so disappointed myself about because as a book reader like the second this reveal happens like she she has a fucked up face and she starts talking telepathically i was so mad at myself for not remembering this character because it's just so unique. Like, right. Like she has the fucked up face. Rianne says the fucked up face, but she's telepathic. He is just a crazy motherfucker and they're always around each other. I should have, I should have clicked easier, but either way, I'm happy that she's here. And and I think the backstory of how she got her face fucked up is, is cool. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how involved she is in the show going forward. She has yeah. to be involved, but I don't know if she'll be a mainstay or like a very rare uh, appearance. Yeah. Well, but yeah, she I mean, looks God awful. Vilgefortz is a big character, so she'll probably be a bigger character. <laughs> Vilgefortz is literally team fuck Tessaia, except intercourse with Tessaia. Yeah. So. <laughs> team fuck Tessaia. Yeah, exactly. Oh. oh, you trying to insinuate we're on the same side here, Paul? No. I don't know, man. No. I don't know. But that's all we get for the firefucker for right now. Going to the next quick scene, we get all the elves, Francesca and Philavandrel, around the fire, but they're on the run now. They're just not aligning themselves with anybody. They just hate humans. Francesca's saying, like, revenge. 
when the humans arrived, we welcomed those peers and it led us to a mass grave. I don't want revenge. I don't want revenge. I want justice. So seems like she's on a murder spree. Her scouts bring up somebody that they found spying on him. Ends up being Istrid. He says, I have some information that I think could help. Princess Earl of Sintra, she is why Nilfgaard attacked Sodden. They wanted to train you for more attacks to flush her out. Um, she's getting carried away, and he has a line where it's like, she's Hein Eker or something like that. I don't know. Sorry. Elder Tongue. Henkir. Oh, Henkir or something like that. She, yeah, she's elder blood, is, is what Francesca hears. And now she knows that she's a big deal. She's one of yours, but different. I've never seen anything like her power. The one that Ethelene prophesized, saying she's the one that could save us. I actually really am enjoying Istrid's character in the show. Um, in the books, he literally, I think, is mentioned one time, twice, and then is just a throwaway character when he does in reality have like kind of a big job, I guess. But like he's an architect or something along those lines in the books. And I just like how in the show here, they're really giving him what it doesn't need he, he's like i think you're looking, thinking he's an archaeologist not archaeologist no i mean i i that's why i kind of like paused there because i was like i'm not saying the right word nah, he's, I, was he's like, a, I was gonna say whatever jing's dad was whatever jing's or gon's dad was jing from hunter x hunter 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 yeah um but anyway i like what they're doing here like he's he has a purpose like he really he's a human that wants to align with the elves or and at least like kind of patch up that history so i really like how they're taking his character in this and especially since like you know well, I, I was I might have just said a spoiler, so I'm not just going to. Well, no, because you, you do <laughs> like that's his whole purpose of being here is he's bringing this information to them because once it clicks with Francesca, she says, OK, that's like the prophecies of Lithian's Lithian's prophecy. Um, and then they just say that basically there's a chance that because Siri has the elder blood, she could save the elven race. And this is going to whole like completely change up the priorities, I think, of the elf faction. And that's going to be fun to see because now they have so many fucking enemies with murdering babies out here. So, like, there's going to be a lot yeah. of dynamics with Francesca. I think she's going to be a bigger player than I thought she was going to be. I think Francesca is going to be uh, split in focus here, whether kill all human babies or, you know, find Siri. Yeah. I don't know which one she's going to put more uh, force into. Probably killing babies. Uh, it seems like that's where she's at right now. At least in the short term. <laughs> at the end, we see an owl chilling on a tree watching mm. this whole thing just fly away flies right to Dijkstra's window in Redania he's shaving his head looking like a beast shirt's off Kyle shirt is off as it should always be yeah and as they're kind of having this beginning of the exchange you see in the background she transforms from an owl into a woman Kyle just curious were you expecting this because they've been talking to this damn owl all season um I guess part of me was I was more interested in like Dijkstra himself, but I like it a lot. I thought it was like, it was definitely like, Oh, okay, let's go. I, I didn't think that we would get a reveal like this. I don't even want to say this early. I just was something, not something that I was expecting to know. Mm -hmm. I would say this soon after the owl got introduced. Philippa is her, her name is Philippa. And they say, I don't know if they say her name, but they have it in the subtitles there. She's a very interesting character. Yeah, but definitely the people were very excited to see that she was actually cast in season two going forward. She was cast super late. So like fans didn't really know what was going on. And then it ends up, she only gets like one kind of scene. So yeah. people were like, fuck, we wanted more of her. But 
she a, is like Luke said, going to be big going forward from a book reader perspective. It's just cool how they were still able to surprise someone like people like us. No, with, I wasn't surprised. I personally, well, it's funny because Luke wasn't Luke was more surprised. More no, surprised. She is. She uses the owl in the book. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm saying you were surprised. Okay. Dave. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah, like, I, I mean, it's been thing. so long since I've read the books that major plot points are the only thing that really stick in my head. And I just kind of, I knew we were missing a mage. I just didn't piece it together that it was her. So I like how they revealed Philippa and Lydia as these two characters for the upcoming seasons. Like they still made it feel like it was a good twist for book readers still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's shown that not all mages are on the same page, man. Uh, mages are all over the place. There's all different kinds of them. Before we move on, Paul, I have a question. You sent this outline to us and it says elves seen with sisters. Was that an autocorrect for elves seen with Istrid? Yes. Because <laughs> I, I was reading that as sisters and I'm like, dude, did I black out there in this? Scene? <laughs> Who's no, we, sisters? We can't move on yet because there's one more good line here. And Paul, you got that written down, that quote? Yeah. Yeah. So Philippa turns into a woman and says, you know, I'm saying that word is out about the girl. Word is out about Siri. And Deestra turns around and says, well, you know, I dare say things just got more fun, Philippa. Bring me the bard. It's about time he paid back his benefactor. Let's go. Yasker, Yasker, Yasker. What did you get yourself into? <laughs> is Geralt going to, I guess, yeah, is this another level of betrayal for Geralt? We'll see. I don't think he could handle it. I think Yen and now Yasker. Holy shit. Just a phenomenal end to the season. Well, we're not done yet because we got this final oh, true. scene. <laughs> this is the fucking scene. Uh, but this is back in Sintra, which we've been jumping through every every time we're trying to talk about Nilf Guardians here. And I think this is like a, is this a flashing? Because we have a voiceover a little bit, right? Or is it just? We get the announcer, op- like the doors are open and then there is a person there announcing the arrival of he goes, attention, Highness Emperor Emir Van Emerus, the White Flame has arrived or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I was getting chills. Frangilla is Frangilla and Kahir are walking behind him. We're not getting his face. It's just the back. Kyle, could you recognize his, his hair from the back? Nah, I mean, his flow is great, though. All right. Yeah, I know. I know you love this flow. Looked and I know like you he, love hair. So that's why I was worried that, you yeah. know, going forward. Looked like uh, Loki from behind to me. I was like, yeah, oh, it's Loki. I was like, that's Loki. If I was here, I'd be getting rid of that Christopher Walken cut once this guy comes. Yeah, seriously. Because <laughs> you're just always playing second fiddle to that flow. Fringilla is telling King Amir, Emperor Amir, that the elves are fighting and they're doing their bidding for them. They are also pursuing the girl, of course. They're still going for Sintra. Emperor Amir says, how did you convince the elves to fight for you? In my experience, elves only think about themselves. So they go on. And they lean into their lie and they say, by killing their hope, you know, it was us who blamed Redania, but we actually killed the elven baby and pointed them in the right direction. And we're kind of getting this line, ah, losing a child is brutal, but you were right. It can move mountains. Uh, they, go, they go on to say, you know, desperate times, desperate measures. And King or Emperor Amir goes, yeah, desperate measures indeed. I should know. Um that's how I felt when I first arrived, and I learned that I could no longer count on you to fulfill my mission. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm the one who ordered the death of that elfin baby. I had to. It was the best path to helping me find my daughter. Take Ooh. them away. Fuck Dooney yeah. is alive. Yeah, I, I've been yo-yoing with the idea of, of saying this, but this was like totally spoiled for me. I knew this was going to happen. 
Damn. going into maybe like the last three episodes. But I, I, but I did honestly like the part when it was revealed that he was the one that killed the baby. That obviously is supposed to be the secondary reveal, but that for me ended up being the primary reveal. How did you feel when you read or learned that Dooney was the fat, like was Amir? Uh, I was just very interested in how the show was going, like what mm-hmm. it was going to look like in the show. And I thought it, it, like I said, with the whole, like I was the one who killed the elf, the elf baby thing. I, I thought it nailed it. And I'm a little upset that it was spoiled for me. Mm. I but, can't remember if this was, this is like second to last or last book reveal. Last book. Yeah. It's like, it's it, just I, like, the big fight, the big climax just happened. And then all of a sudden in walks Emir and uh Geralt kind of looks up and he's like, Oh, what's up, Dooney? Yeah, like, and you're like Jesus. what? That Sorry, was should we it, should it we put a book spoiler up. there? <laughs> it was it was pretty nuts. Um, so I understand why they had to do it this way throughout the books, all of them, even from like book two on. We get chapters from the point of view of King. Uh, I keep calling him King Emperor Amir. So you can't really do that in the show with unless you didn't show his face the entire time, which would be like, all right, that's fucking annoying. Um, so I get that they had to get this big reveal out of the way in order to be able to incorporate him in the storyline and the plot for season three and four without you know beating around the bush. Yeah, and it was but a good mic. Dro- it was a great mic drop moment to end the season. Oh yeah, and Flat honestly, out. this was like, like the end of, like the Geralt and Siri and Yennefer stuff. Like when I was mentioning, like the how the se- season felt a little prologue-ish. This was what was like. Okay, now this is like a legitimate. Like this is meat and potatoes story right here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, here and Frangilla. I still see you, man. End of the yeah. dungeon. Now that we're at the end, I'll just say this as part of my whole like series thoughts a little bit. They're definitely the two that I guess like this is going to work out where it's going to slightly hard reboot their characters and potentially put them on the path that I have envisioned in my head. Like this moment of putting them into throwing them into jail and like seeing how they react being in Nilfgaard's like captivity. But like they were way different than what I imagined. And and maybe this gets them back on track because I really, really like at least Kahir's book counterpart. Um, but this might get them back on track. And if not, and they do keep going in a wildly different way, it's going to be very interesting to see like what happens if they get out or like if they, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It just sucks knowing that they are so off book canon just because again it's just these mysteries and fears that we have of things potentially getting ruined later on but this season has reinforced for me that i can have faith in netflix and at the same time um henry cavill to be able to produce something that's good and makes sense to the audience Mm -hmm. um and yeah dooney i think is cast he's how i pictured him as the books is how i pictured him on like is how they they did it perfect to how he looks Mm -hmm. on screen yeah yeah, that line you said about Henry Cavill, he is unbelievably necessary to the success of the show. We've talked mm-hmm. about it a bunch of times, but I mean, the more I listen to interviews, um, the more I read, the more I believe that the show wouldn't be su- nearly as successful without him. Because, for example, the scene, I believe it's in episode three or four, when 
the Chernabog comes in and actually kills uh, the horse Roach, you know, Siri and Geralt, they're at that river. They wanted, I forget her name because I just don't really like her choices. But Tris? <laughs> yes, Lauren, Lauren Hisrick, I believe her name is. Um, mm. She's like the showrunner. And she said she was supposed to have a like comical line there. Like, oh, like something along the lines of like, Geralt doesn't really care. But Geralt was like, I really don't think that's the way to go. I think Geralt, Geralt needs a. I'm sorry, Henry. He was like, I really don't think that's what Geralt would do. I think he really cares about his horse. I think we need to get like a nice scene. And they did give that. So that's just one small example of why Henry Cavill is implementing little things that have a huge impact for the entire show. So he's the best. But that's kind of it. Um, Did you guys have any last thoughts about the season, where we might head it and hit us with a rating for the episode? Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, fantastic season. I've been saying it constantly. Like I already talked about my growth with the witchers and the fire magic. I don't re- like nothing. East, nothing really sticks out too much as something I'm hating. Again, maybe a little bit of the changes for Kahir and, and uh, Frangilla, but like choreography was amazing. Henry was just captivating. And I think that the audience re- received it relatively well. Like Netflix is still pedal to the metal. I think they're, they're green lighting. The or the blood origin prequel story, the movie was successful of Vesemir's past. It seems like the Witcher verse is getting bigger and bigger, and we're only going up from here. Uh, I thought that this episode was probably a nine and a half. It was one of my favorites of the whole of the whole two seasons. It just the, the season kept trending upward for me. And looking back, like the the first two episodes might have been the weakest for me, and that's saying a lot because I talked pretty highly of them when we podcasted on them initially. It's just. Fantastic fantasy. We're living in the prime of uh, TV. This budget's amazing. The sound's amazing. It's so good. And I'm, I'm, I, I brought this up when we talked about it, like in the off season of between season one and two, <laughs> the off season, uh, <laughs> like what, what's going to happen with Siri, like aging up, and she's going to keep aging up. So she hopefully gets better and better at the action stuff because I'm hoping that she's going to go full Arya Stark and just get a lot of combat scenes you know and that that'll be really good to see how she grows and becomes also at the same time more magical as she trains with yennefer and shit so like all that's amazing the brotherhood and their politics let's get it fuck yeah bring on season three nine and a half wow i loved it yeah season uh like overall season was like we said at the beginning just way i thought it was way better than season one just so much more fleshed out characters and a lot of interesting plot points and even if they did divert a little bit i think they're doing a great job of still making it feel like this is you know something that they had you know gotten off the books basically um i will say the one thing i'm looking forward to in the next seasons is probably yen and series relationship uh i just think that those two are just incredible just their personalities clashing and i'm excited to see how they develop in the next season i would give the finale an eight and a half to a nine leaning more towards a nine just the all these reveals that we got in this episode were just incredible uh top 10 like you know we got top cgi moments here with the fights and everything so can can't really go bad with a nine out of ten speaking as the season as a whole i feel like i've been saying it throughout this and also the wheel time stuff is that it was such a nice jump in quality from season one just so nice to have a linear storyline and Henry Cavill is just amazing. The The performances are really good. They introduced a lot of really 
cool new characters while also keeping all of the older established characters in their prominent roles, which I really did enjoy. And yeah, there's just like a lot of, I guess, interesting storylines that are happening right now. I would say that what I'm most looking forward to in season three is just Geralt, Yen, and, and Siri being the guys and gals, I guess guy and gals. But this episode specifically, I think I'll give it like an eight and a half. I honestly think I feel like the first like two thirds of it, like nothing really happens. I get that. And then it's kind of an avalanche at the end, which isn't a terribly bad thing, but just overall as an episode, I think it's just so backloaded. Um, so I'll give it an eight and a half. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm going to give this originally. I probably would have given it like a four. Oh, I wanted a three. I was going to say three. I was being nice here. <laughs> um, I think I wanted to give it going into this podcast like a, a five and a half, six. Talking to you guys, you make me kind of like appreciate it more. So I'll give it a six and a half. Um, I think like Kyle said, it was just, it seemed like a lot didn't happen. I understand there was huge moments, but there is, I feel like there was great moments sprinkled into a, a kind of whatever episode for me. Cause I mean, Siri was basically not in it at all. I mean, she was kind of in a dream world. I didn't really understand the resolution of how Yen got her powers back and Voleth Mir like just wanted to go home. Like if she just wanted to go home, why didn't she just teleport, open a teleporter? a portal, I'm sorry, when she had control of Siri to go home, there was like weird finale wrap-up shit that I, I just wasn't so fond of. But that being said, insane moments. Geralt fighting that Basilisk, the coolest fucking thing ever. Uh, good Yashgir comedic lines. Uh, Yen got her power back. I'd say six and a half. Nice. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Really, really looking forward to season three. Um, I can't imagine where they're going to take it, but uh, I think going forward, I'm going to be more open to the first watch through. But I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Season two of The Witcher in the books. If you like what you heard, our podcast also covers Wheel of Time, Dexter, Midnight Mass, Rick and Morty, all different kinds of shows, but really good shows. Um, <laughs> last time I'm going to say this, if you want to toss a coin to your binge town, we have a Patreon up where you can become a binge town homie. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and hit subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Or the easiest way to do all of that is to go to our website at bingetowntv.com. It'll take you everywhere. We are so excited to cover The Witcher, to have covered, I guess now we are officially done. Um, I know there's a lot of Witcher content out there. So thank you for sticking with us, listening to it. We hope you had fun. And from everyone at Bingetown TV, thank you so much for listening. Love you guys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.